0: Barneys doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Hello and welcome to the Glossy Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making change happen. I'm your host and glossy senior reporter Hillary Milne's, and joining me this week is Ronnie Zadan, the founder and chief creative officer of the luxury agency Row New York. Thanks for coming in, Ronnie.
1: Thank you for having me, Hillary.
0: So we're here to talk about uh, New York Fashion Week as we're at the beginning of Fashion Month. Uh, the shows are kicking off today. Uh will be tomorrow when, when this goes live. But we're going to discuss some predictions for the upcoming season, uh, what's, what's sort of happening uh, with, with the designers and brands and, and what they're doing in terms of a digital angle, see now, buy now angle. Uh, but let's start with some background. Uh, your agency has been around for about 10 years now. About, you've been in the fashion industry for, for a while before that. So so why don't you give us a little briefing on your perspective?
1: Absolutely. Roe, New York has been around for a little over nine years. And I actually started my career rooted in fashion at Donna Karen in New York in 98 or 99 and had briefed stints of several years at eluxury.com, which was LVMH's first e-commerce venture mm-hmm. that is now known as oddly <laughs> enough. Um, and then I worked in house at Roth Lauren uh, as an art director on some of the campaigns and some of the Ralph Lauren.com at the time was Spoto.com. Worked uh, with Mr. Neil Craft and his agency, Craftworks for several years overseeing about 13 accounts and then moved on to L'Oreal to be the VP, global creative director for Roth Lauren Beauty. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, Ro New York, nine years. Good blessing.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> so. so as the shows are starting today, w- what do you think is going to be the talk of of this New York Fashion Week? Uh, we'll, we'll focus on New York for now. Uh, but in the past, it seems like everyone's been saying, "Oh, Fashion Week, as we know it, is dead. Uh, it's up to the designers to do whatever they whatever they feel like, and it's all over the place." And the the common order that people have come to know over the past twenty years or so is is over. So, do you think that's the case, or does it still feel like that sense of chaotic? You know, craziness that we're going into this week.
1: You know, people go crazy when there is change that happens, and we have to just adapt to the new normal. Mm-hmm. Fashion is not what it used to be twenty years ago. The whole industry is not what it used to be twenty years ago. Retail has changed significantly. I blame Instagram. Yes, <laughs> uh, but in in reality, there's been sort of this rush in the last couple of years of trying to understand what's going on and reacting to things on this on the dots mm-hmm. versus waiting and seeing what's going to happen. So there's been many sort of like hopes that, oh my God, this approach is going to help save the industry. See now, buy now is the savior of all. Those are just marketing techniques that get the word going, get the hype going and get brands sort of on the map for a blip of a second. Mm -hmm. And as we live, this whole whole world of social media lasts for just a few seconds. So you have to kind of repeatedly put... put content out there, kind of keep talking about the brand over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. in order for it to make an impression to a certain point. It's
0: building that desirability. Yes. Do you think that's still a relevant strategy? it's, It's funny because we got to the, I think See Now Buy Now came out of this idea that everyone was seeing things on Instagram six months before it went on sale. They were over it by the time it actually went on sale. So you don't think that's true?
1: It's true to a certain extent. I think what we have to focus on in a bigger approach is people's desires for fashion. Mm -hmm. Do you really want to spend $5,000 on an amazing Prada jacket when you can actually get something that's not that dissimilar that, sadly enough, has been available through fast fashion at a fraction of the price? And I'm talking pennies in comparison. (laughs) So... And the times that we live in right now too with major change happen on a global economic level, on a political level, on a social level, fashion is a distraction to a certain extent. Absolutely. So you kind of cut through to the meat of what's important in life and what do we want to invest in financially or into a certain reality we have to face that people kind of want to enjoy their lives because it's been such this heavy burden of like a black cloud of what's happening Mm -hmm. that it comes through experiences. The What's happening now in in fashion week in general is companies are finding the best strategies for them to survive in a world that has changed and offer an alternative to the fast fashion approach. In order for that to kind of garner the attention, you really have to cut all the fluff and deal with what's going to make it work. So companies that are doing it well are focusing on a wholesale strategy that's actually legitimate. Mm -hmm. And in order to do so, you have to present at a place where it makes sense. You kind of have to follow the the money. So in pure fashion, high-level fashion, the city that has been doing that has been Paris. And you see what they call an exodus of designers from New York. It's not an exodus. It's brands like Proenza and uh, Rodarte that offer product that's relevant to the buyers that are going to Paris. It's sort of like the circle of a thousand people that keep on traveling from city to city to city to see everything. Well that's humanely impossible. Mm-hmm. So now that now that you can access information digitally, you can sort of like bypass certain cities. What you're getting in New York though, what's kind of amazing about New York City is that it is the grounds for contemporary fashion. It is about business, first off but it's also about creativity. And you do see some interesting younger, newer brands that are breaking through. Um, They're not the big volume drivers, but what's happening with the Proenzas and the Rodarte that are moving to Paris, it's opening up the path for other designers to shine. So bring it on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stop complaining about what's happening in New York. Just bring it on, create something exciting, create something that's buzzworthy. But at the same time, the challenge goes to the press. Mm -hmm. Give them a chance talk about them in the right way there's so many amazing installations and and presentations that happen that don't even get the uh, the light of day Mm -hmm. and that's something that's a bit unfortunate because it is the responsibility of everybody within the fashion community to actually praise the newcomers and praise the brands that are doing something right that have put a lot of thought process behind the presentations rather than going oh it's insignificant it's not even a business why am i talking about it and you realize that there's certain brands that get the attention because of the network, the connection, the their social standing, whatever that may be that get the buzz behind them. Mm-hmm. But then there's no meat sometimes afterwards. So you kind of need the CFDA to act as a proper curator to identify the shining stars within their portfolio of brands because they do have a really, it's an amazing organization and they really support designers in the right way. And they've been leading the path, they've been trying to find the solution, mm-hmm. but at the same time they're keeping it very open which is very, uh, it's, it's, a, it's its a really good thing for the designers. Don't put a creative person in a corner and say these are the rules. The mm-hmm. CFDA is allowing that openness saying, Do whatever you want. Do whatever you think is right. And I think what we're going to see, or what has started actually, is presentations that people are saying, it's scattered all around the city. That's okay. That's a good thing. That's how it used to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are presentations happening in Bushwick and then the Met Brewer, like Rachel Comey just yesterday. So that diversity in New York is wonderful. We need to encourage it. We need to keep it happening. And it's now in the hands of the brands to actually communicate the right thing of what's happening in their brand. Now, we go back into the story of see now, buy now, and (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) you know my point of view about that. Yes, It's designers like Tommy Hilfiger has really tried that approach. Mm -hmm. Burberry has tried it. Has it transformed their businesses? No, because the real point and the solution needs to happen at the wholesale level and changing the calendar of sales and buying and like shortening the length of time in which they pre select uh, 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 collections to sell on their floors. Mm-hmm. And then you have the it, it, it goes into this whole operational angle. We're not going to go too deep into that, right. but Sina <laughs> by now works. for brands that don't necessarily have to follow the fashion calendar Mm -hmm. and it's offered opportunities for newcomers to kind of break through through social media and through instagram and through snapchat although snapchat is being uh, pushed away significantly right i predicted that too (laughs) 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 um there's it's it's sort of it's up to the designers and the brands to really think through what's right for the DNA of what they stand for, mm-hmm. and then use the different marketing means around it in order to support what their brand is.
0: Right, so I think that's an interesting point. Contrasting Tommy Hilfiger, a brand like that who has really taken this See Now, by Now Fashion Week spectacle to the highest of heights compared to a newcomer designer. Do you think that New York Fashion Week, um, and you know New York in particular, can be that grounds for those two very polarized opposites
1: absolutely that's a diversity that new york needs Mm -hmm. in order to really it's 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 an experimental ground try it out Mm -hmm. and we talked about that at some point where it's that american spirit of experimenting and doing things before anybody else just because it's like that positive approach to Try it out, try it. If it works, it works, it doesn't, it doesn't. And I believe Tommy Hilfiger is doing a lot of that too. Right. If it works, it works, now mind you. It's a large brand with a lot of, with, with, with a lot of money, so right. it's okay. And, they, and that's resources. why they have Gigi, and they've tried <laughs> to reformat the brand. And and I think they're doing a really good job in a way of trying to tap into that younger consumer. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a couple of days ago, I, we had guests at our dinner table my partner's niece and her friends, mm-hmm. 20 year old girls at NYU. And it's amazing. They mentioned Gigi. They're not in fashion, right. but it's, fan- it's, it's, it's amazing to see how that girl has an effect on these young girls mm-hmm. and it can drive the brands in the right way.
0: Right. So, so, so it's working for them. But when we're talking about designers that are leaving New York, what do you think that they're looking for? Obviously it's not the mass exodus that people kind of uh, hyper, hyperbolize it to be. But if, they're going to Paris. What are they what are they looking for? And what are they almost trying to get away from?
1: Okay. So let's talk specifically about Proenza and Rodarte. Mm-hmm. And let's look at the price point that they deliver on. They deliver on a much higher contemporary, almost designer level pricing. Some and Proenza does have the designer level pricing. Paris attracts those buyers from all around the world much more than New York does. So if I were the president of Proenza it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. We need to show in Paris. We need to invest in Paris, and we need to talk to the press there, and we need to get the buyers in at the right time and align ourselves with the luxury designer brands that are out of France. Sadly enough, New York doesn't have that much of those anymore. Mm-hmm. Although we do have Tom Brown, but Tom Brown has been showing in Milan, in Paris, in New York, and now I don't believe he's showing in New York uh, anymore. So. And there's a reason for that. It's it, You have to follow the buyers. And where the buyers are, that's where you go. There's a lot of uh, um, department stores from Asia that don't necessarily come to New York because they find alternatives of that in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's because there's a reality on the toll that the whole trip takes to go from London, New York, Paris, Milan. It's it's it's
2: intense, mm-hmm. and
1: you get bombarded <laughs> with thousands and thousands of brands. So at the end of the day, you kind of have to think as a buyer as well: what brand do I believe in? What product? Do I know, I, I, that I know I would sell and I need to know who my customer is. So it's this whole philosophy and psychology of understanding who you're selling to and what you want to sell. Versus, I'm a New York based brand, I'm gonna show New York.
0: Right, do you think that the buyers have the same role that they used to? Are they as important now as they have been in the past?
1: I think it's it's not, it, it's really much more looking at department stores or stores in general, mm-hmm. looking if, if since since social media has risen in a way, um, it has opened the path for brands to sell directly to consumers and reach the target directly. Mm-hmm. And there's many brands that have diversified their offerings, so you have a certain percentage for that's dedicated as a wholesale business, another percentage that's dedicated for their own online shops, and if they have their own retailers, it's another part. So you have to balance it all out, because you have to reduce the amount of risk when you're running a brand, and understanding where how you're gonna get that consumer. Mm-hmm. The magical formula is to rely predominantly on your own retailers. Prada has done it for years. They have not sold ready to wear in a lot of uh, uh, department stores. Mm-hmm. And now that they need to kind of revive the brand, they're shifting the focus again. Okay, we need to focus on uh, wholesalers. Mm-hmm. And we need to focus on the department stores that are gonna be good brand alliances in order to lift the brand again. So it's this whole cycle, I, th- I think, that goes through. So you have to have a well-balanced wholesale business and a direct-to-consumer business, Mm -hmm. yes, the buyers are important. They're always important. And Anyway, at the end of the day, it's about relationships. So, with relationships you can grow a business without them.
0: Right. And we've seen uh, designers who have tried to Cut out the the wholesale retailers and go fully direct uh, to consumer. Tookun did that last year. Now they're they're on like a hiatus because it didn't really work out. They I think they realized that you can't just flip a switch and become a fully direct to consumer brand overnight. Uh, so do you think that that sort of signaled the okay, maybe cutting out the middleman isn't the best <laughs> idea?
1: Well, there's the, reaching a consumer online was a lot easier three years ago than it is now. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's online, it's saturated, Facebook has changed the game of how you have to spend money in order to boost your ads and in order to reach the customers. You didn't have to do that five years ago. Right. Especially with Instagram. Now Instagram changed a lot, their algor- algorithm. Good luck, Mr. and Mrs. Influencers. Right. That's <laughs> that, that The game is changing. So you cannot rely on a new method to become the sole solution of a business. You have to test it out, you have to be smart on how to diversify your offering, and then any shift that you do is gonna affect what you're gonna be doing from a marketing perspective. Even though you don't have a marketing budget, you have to still create these visuals and imagery and content that actually draws the consumer in. You have to have the right language, you have to craft the right approach, you have to know on social media what uh, hashtags uh, I'm gonna use, when do I hit it at the right place at the right time in order to maximize the boost. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are realizing, oh, that's a science, yeah, we're not scientists, we're, we're creative people. Right. <laughs> and. Th- Department stores, there's gonna be a cycle where people are gonna be fed up with just buying everything online. Mm -hmm. Yes, commodity stuff, go to Amazon, not a problem. Get your detergent from there. But I'm sure you don't wanna get your Chloe top from Amazon at some point. You still wanna touch and feel, and that's the beauty of the industry that we're in, that it is about the product, it is about the experience. So you need to find, brands need to find a reason to have you, Hillary, walk into Mm -hmm. a store And shop there. And it's about changing the mentality. It's not about going to buy something. It's about going and feeling that it's enriching your life to a certain extent and that you're experiencing something new. And at that point, your wallet's open. Mm.
0: And on that note, do you think that social media has been a blessing or a curse for these luxury brands that have to decide how often does my customer need to hear from me? Because there is that okay, how do we build desirability over, over the course of six months before something goes on sale? Um, But at the same time, it's, you still want that sort of exclusive, elusive uh, brand cachet that social media seems to be opposed to. Obviously we've reached a point where you can't sit out, but do you think that brands are still deciding whether or not how much is too much?
1: I think the luxury sector in fashion is always debated about the next step and whether to adopt it or not. There's that whole aspect of democratization and then having everybody see the product in advance. There's, always, there's also the fear of being knocked off and having those fast fashion companies being able to deliver similar style at a much faster rate way before you can even have your product on the shelves. Mm-hmm. You have to accept the reality for the world is now. We have to accept that fast fashion is actually leading the way in fashion, sadly enough, from a business perspective. So it, it, everything has to be reconfigured, but we shouldn't forget that that consumer that really loves fashion and really loves the brand and that has established a loyalty with a premium or high-level brand will always remain faithful to that. So I think the, the, the target audience is still smaller, obviously, but you have, and, and there are, it's, it's, it's harder work, you have to get them, you have to entice them, you have to draw them in, you have to create the greatest and best thing. But at the same time, Condé Nast was driving a lot of the decision making as to what consumers are buying from a fashion perspective. Mm-hmm. That has changed, social media has influenced it, influencers have influenced it. But like everything, there's there's a fatigue that comes along. So. We've hit that point, I think, on social media fatigue. Mm -hmm. Um, You talk to just friends around you. Just ask them, how often do you use your Instagram and Facebook? How often are you there? Do you you like what you see? Do you get sponsored ads? And I bet you three out of five will tell you I'm kind of fed up. I really don't use it as much as before Mm -hmm. because as a society we're Changing our minds and understanding what's more valuable and what enriches our lives versus watching what our friends did and what they ate for breakfast and where they're traveling to, and then getting frustrated and upset about it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because that tends to happen uh, quite frequently,
0: right? Especially during something like Fashion Month, where you're just constantly being bombarded. But do you think that social media or any other of these, you know, current forces have changed the purpose of the fashion show itself? Do you think that there are brands who are reconsidering, you know, how much money do I actually need to invest in this? Is it going to have the same returns as it did before or is it going to hang on? Obviously, we have a full lineup of shows, so it's not a mass exodus.
1: Correct. Um, It all goes down to cost and where you're spending your dollars. It used to make a lot of sense for brands to have a fashion show and the production costs are very hefty with it. and it drew the attention. The press would come. Then they would publish the images, and that's that was how you got your uh, your, your name out there. And it's a case by case situation. We've worked with a designer several years ago, and he was an upcoming designer in the men's world. He needed a fashion show because he needed to make that impact and that uh, that they have the, the all the editors come in and see it and all. If he were to launch a social media uh, campaign showing his latest work. It wouldn't have made sense. Right. Uh, but then after a while, he didn't need that anymore. He didn't need the fashion show. It, it's, I think it's a case by case situation and a season by season approach. Smaller brands, if they can get sponsorship in getting that fashion show paid, it's a good way because what you need to do is you need fashion. Sh- the reason for fashion show was for designers to express their vision and their theme for the season to get people excited about it and then to draw the attention and hopefully net out with some sales with it. That has all changed. So if you do a very thoughtful presentation and you are able to get the right people in from a buyer and and press perspective, you would probably achieve the similar result as the fashion show. Because Mm -hmm. ultimately, it's about building that relationship with the buyers and with the editors in order to get your product on shelves and in order to get the buzz around your brand.
0: Mm -hmm. So it comes down to the presentation versus the runway. Yes. Which one do you think is... More cost-effective the pre- the presentation.
1: Well, the presentation. Well, <laughs> it depends what you mean by presentation. Yeah. <laughs> because there are certain runway-like presentations where you have models standing in a room and you come in and you take a look. To me, these are boring and it's a waste of time for everybody. Right. Um, if you're gonna do something of the sort, do a runway show. Mm-hmm. Enough of these uh, like vanilla-like presentations right. that say nothing. Staying around. Um, instead, I would use the word presentation much more as in in your environment or in a gallery that you would rent out or in a space that reflects the mood of your your brand and the seasonality of the spirit, have the collection displayed in a really beautiful way. Have a couple of monitors like a showroom ready to put some clothes on for the buyers to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to tell the story. And what it comes down to is these runway shows were about storytelling. I think they've lost their path at a certain point, Mm -hmm. and they become just about a commercial offering that shows what you've got. It's like throwing everything on a wall and hoping something sticks. It's not about that. You have to tell the story. You have to figure out what your brand stands for. And that's what I challenge all of my clients, no matter whether they're a hotel or a fashion brand or a beauty product. What is your story? What are you meant to say? What are you meant to bring to the world? Mm -hmm. If you cannot decipher that, you're not gonna last long. You have to really explain to people and show them and however form of expression you're good at, what the reason is to be for your brand and why people should buy into your brand.
0: Mm-hmm. You think people still care about that? Absolutely. It's it's interesting because we're watching every season go by, and there's new technology that's live from something as simple as live streaming to um, you know shoppable Instagram posts to virtual reality uh, in in stores to to sort of incorporate the runway. Do those all seem kind of like a flash in the pan gimmick to you or are we gonna see more of that this, uh, this month?
1: I think we've seen a lot of it in the last couple of seasons. It might tone down a bit and get a bit more real. I think that's where, that's where my mindset is in general. Let's get real about things. Mm-hmm. Let's approach things in a bit more of a humble, puritanical manner in a way and focus on what's essential about our brand let's stop a bit of that too much of the hype because it doesn't go too far. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're browsing through uh, your Instagram account and you're watching all of these designers, when it's all so over the top by everybody, at some point you're just gonna be like, okay, I'm kind of, I, I can't look at this anymore.
0: Right. And does it actually change the shopping experience or your interactions with the brand, I think is is the question. And and so what what point can technology or, or digital activations like that really push the needle for the industry
1: technology is just a tool that gets that that you use for your marketing purposes that's all mm-hmm. it is so right. if you have a proper website that has a that has a really clean user experience that where you can flow and and get you to the information that you need to get in order to make a purchase you're set there if you're using vr just to use vr well what's the point if you're mm-hmm. using P- vr for a reason where you're really trying to transport somebody into a fantasy land because your whole collection is based on fantasy and you have a VR setup, let's say, for 20 viewers to come in and just have it on and then you're seeing your entire collection in this VR experience, because your brand stands for that, then it makes sense. But if DVF were to do a VR experience where you see the whole collection of like wrap dresses, that's not relevant. And, right. and God, I, I hope she doesn't do yeah. that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: So... In terms of the designers themselves, obviously we're in this churn where a lot of new designers aren't lasting very long we're, we're seeing a lot of rotation uh, at the different houses. How much of that do you think is due to these this changing demands from from a digital perspective from a performance perspective uh, and you know where do you think it's going to come to a head at any point soon
1: um, it's very easy to blame the designers or the creative directors mm-hmm. on slow down on a brand, and be like, oh, that's not the solution, we gotta change it. Um, we had talked about that also last time, uh, when you and I chatted, is there's, you tend mm-hmm. not to hear much about the CEOs of a company, mm-hmm. when in fact they're meant to work in, in, in tight uh, relationships with the designers to bring their vision to life, mm-hmm. and have a duality and understanding what the business needs are, and then what the creative needs are. And that's very essential in order for a brand to succeed. So there's also something to be said. If in general the businesses are slowing down a bit, then you have to be realistic as to what your projections are for the following year and how do you increase sales. And you cannot blame the designers just for that. Um, Everybody's like trying to do, oh, the Gucci formula, the Gucci formula. Well, the Gucci formula worked because it's been going on for a couple of years now.
0: Not over. Not in one season. It
1: doesn't happen in one season. It also had heavy backing from uh, the Karen group, and it had a lot of press and attention behind it, and it worked. It, it hit the zeitgeist of this madness and chaos and fashion, executed in a beautiful, dreamy-like manner, mm-hmm. in a way. So that worked for them. You see it kind of trying to happen also even on Kate Spade. I was walking down the street and saw the store, and they're trying to do something that... I could see Gucci doing and a bit of what the Louis Vuitton influence with their windows and all. These contemporary brands try to follow what the lead designer brands are doing mm-hmm. in hopes to get the attention. I hope it's working. It's looking really good in their windows. Uh-huh. It's it's causing that desire to step in and experience the brand. And that's ultimately what you got to do is you have to build that desire and you have to manifest it in a store, on the website, in your social media campaign. I mean, the hype behind Vetements let's let's talk about that you if you look at their bringing somebody outside of fashion mm-hmm. show them the instagram account of vetma <laughs> they're gonna go what the hell is this you really would pay a thousand dollars for a sweater that's like 10 times the size of yours and the right. word vetma cut up in the center yeah um and what does vetments need yeah, it, yeah. It, it, right. it's it's, but they've tapped into that zeitgeist of understanding that the system is broken and they're speaking to that in an artistic manner mm-hmm. that's very Margiela when Margiela did it back in the 90s. So there was something that hit again and it's a cycle. And we see it every 20 years right. things come back. The reason why Gucci kind of worked because it came back to the origins of uh, Italian style and craftsmanship and creativity all blended in together in this zoo-like approach. Mm-hmm. So... It's the brands that are understanding this that end up hitting the right stride. The part where it gets messy is that there be, you get a lot of followers that try to follow the same thing and do the same thing and then it dilutes that greatness mm-hmm. of what the brands are doing versus finding a way of communicating what you feel is right. A lot of times we have people who go, well, how do you know that this is the right thing? Or do you talk to a designer like, how, how did you know that, let's say, talking about Mars or planets was gonna be relevant? It's it's being exposed to art, it's being exposed to life in general, it's travel, it's many things that a lot of people see and, 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 and observe, and it gets sort of like drawn into your body in a way, in mm-hmm. your soul, and it manifests itself in a creative manner. A strong mind and a creative mind will find solutions that are based on a strong gut instinct that will manifest themselves into a design and a product. So
0: Right. And it always comes down to product. You can talk about social media, see now by now, et cetera, et cetera. But if it's not good, if the product is not right,
1: it's not right. It's not going to sell.
0: We're almost out of time, but what, what show, what brand do you think is going to be on top this, this season?
1: Hmm. (laughs) Let me pull out my magic ball. Um, In New York, we're talking specifically. New York or, or all of, or in general.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I think what Raf Simmons did with Calvin Klein in the show in Chinatown Mm -hmm. was, sort of old school New York and amazing in that sense. And the part that I love the most is hearing the stories about the discomfort of everyone that was standing on the streets and smelling the smells of Chinatown and the rain and all that, that's an experience. Whether it's negative or positive, it's an experience. I'm curious to see what he's gonna do next.
0: Yeah, that's that's tomorrow night, right? Thursday night, all right. Yeah. I look forward to it. Well, thanks so much, Ronnie, for coming thank in. Thank you,
1: Hillary, for having me.
0: Great. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. And in the meantime, be sure to follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play and leave us any feedback you have.